You are listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. But, before we begin, here are a few words about a couple of other podcasts that we think you might want to try. I'm Casey. And I'm Samantha. And we're the hosts of True Crime Storytime, a podcast for all things true crime. We will be bringing you fortnightly episodes covering everything from murder and mystery, disappearances, theft and fraud, abductions and kidnappings, and more importantly, trying to take a lesson away from each case, because every story has a message. in your lifetime you'll pass a murderer 36 times i did and you know why why because we're 36 times a canadian true crime podcast which covers crimes in the great white north oh right every episode we focus on a major crime and then we lighten things up with a kooky one we talk about everything from the criminal justice system itself to animals arguably not doing what they should bringing you true crime with a shot of maple syrup Catch our episodes bi-weekly on iTunes or your favorite, that's favorite with a U, podcast app. Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories were soon lost in the sands of time or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, we shake off the sand and dust from those stories and share them here with you, as fresh as the day they were first told. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number six of the Forgotten News Podcast. My name is Jim, and thank you, every listener, for tuning in to this show. I hope that our episodes will always feature something that is either interesting or informative or fun enough for you to continue to listen in the future. I think that we must be at least somewhat on the right track because we have had a nearly 20% increase in downloads since our last episode. And if you have been counting along with us, our total number is now over 2,600. All I can say is, wow, and again, thanks. Now, at this point, I will say a few things before we begin our featured story. Well, actually, this episode will feature two stories, not just one. And this will also be 
the first time that we will follow a true crime episode with another true crime episode. This may or may not be the last time that two stories are featured on one episode. It might happen again, it might not. But if we do it again, I doubt it will ever become anything common. It will be something that we do once in a while. We are simply going to play it by ear, just like nearly everything else that we do on this show. Anyway, moving along. As I mentioned, this episode will feature a pair of true crime stories. But the key thing you need to know is that these will not be your typical kind of true crime stories. These will be more like a random slice of life type story. They are just a couple of very unusual incidents that we stumbled across while doing other research. Just two odd little stories that would probably have been totally lost in time except for our completely accidental discovery of them. In addition, please be aware, these two stories have nothing in common with each other. Although they both have a ship involved and they both take place in the same year. Now, at this point, I usually mention whether there's anything in the episode that might require a warning for any member of the listening audience. Well, I thought about it, and I could only think of one thing that might possibly be an issue for some listeners. So, we will have a short warning. And speaking of listeners, this warning will be presented by a listener who asked for the opportunity to be a volunteer voice on our show, and we are happy to oblige. A warning to listeners. This episode will include a brief description of a kidnapping which occurred in 1920. A young woman was the victim. However, there was no death or violence involved in the incident, and the specific facts will be kept to the absolute minimum needed to tell the story in a historically accurate way. But even so, if you think that hearing about these things could possibly cause you to have a negative emotional reaction, then this episode might not be something you should listen to. And with that having been said, on with the show. Our story begins in 1920, in the city of Canton, in China. It is a short but very intriguing story. And not only is this story intriguing, but this is one of those stories that I occasionally run across in old newspapers that I often use the word tantalizing to describe, because they instantly grab your attention 
but leave out all sorts of details that you'd really love to have. So with that short introduction, I'll begin at the beginning. A news report in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on September 8, 1920, tells of a young woman from Copenhagen, Denmark, age 20, a tourist who was a victim of an attempted kidnapping by a group of men whom she had hired to take her on a tour of the city of Canton. She is identified in the article only as Miss C.S.K. Nielsen. According to the article, the men were intending to sell her to Chinese pirates in exchange for the sum of $50. Now, be aware, $50 in 1920 is equivalent to $250 in present day U.S. money. And even though I am certainly no expert on the historical value of money in China, I'm willing to make a guess that if $50 in 1920 is worth $250 in the U.S. today, it was probably worth twice or three times that much in China in those days because it was a country where poverty was widespread in that time period. At this point, we will let Miss Nielsen tell her story as quoted in the article. Oh wait, before I do that, we are going to take a quick moment to explain a certain word that she mentions. I had never heard of this word before working on this episode, and I think that very few listeners will have heard of it either. The word is palanquin, and this is the definition. A palanquin is a large wooden box, sometimes with side windows, held by four men holding it by long poles who would carry a person seated in the box to his or her destination in exchange for payment. This was a common method of long-distance travel in China beginning in the 19th century and ending in the 1930s when it was gradually replaced by rickshaws and other methods of transportation. So, now that you know what a palaquin is, here is the story of the attempted kidnapping of Miss C.S.K. Nielsen in her own words. One afternoon, I decided to take a palanquin and go on a tour of the city. I was gone for most of the day, and I suddenly noticed that the city gates were being closed. I told the four men who were carrying the palanquin to hurry. Instead, they took me to the waterfront. When I realized what the men were intending to do with me, I screamed and tried to escape. I was then taken through underground passageways and was about to be placed on a pirate ship when I was rescued by Lee Winter, an American banker in China. I had a dinner engagement with Mr. Winter and when I was late in arriving, he made inquiries which led to my discovery. Well, as I said, this article and even the quote from Miss Nielsen leaves out a lot of details. For example, did Mr. Winter somehow rescue Miss Nielsen single-handedly? Did he call the police 
and then they rescued her? What was the source or basis of the alleged fact that the men were planning to sell her to pirates? And that the price for the sale would be $50? The quote from Miss Nielsen doesn't say anything about a $50 sale price. What were the pirates going to do with her? Were they going to hold her for ransom? Or maybe were they going to sell her to someone as a house servant or a sex slave? Were the kidnappers arrested? Were the pirates arrested? Who knows? The article does not give the answer to any of these questions. And there is no follow-up article in any subsequent issue of the newspaper or anywhere else. Even though this was a front-page article at the time. Well, I suppose if I were to look in the archives of old newspapers from Denmark or China from 1920, there would likely be additional information that might answer my questions. But even that would probably not be of much use to me since the only language that I know is English. And for what it's worth, I did a search on Google and the only thing that turned up was an identical reprint of the article in a September 1920 issue of the Akron Times, which is a newspaper that went out of business quite a few decades ago. Well, at this point, I'm not sure what else to say about all this, except that regardless of the many, many missing details, it's still a wild story from almost 100 years ago. I have no doubt that Miss Nielsen told it and retold it to her children and grandchildren. However, other than that, I think it's highly likely that you, the members of the listening audience, are the first people to have heard this story in nearly a century. And on that note, I will now move on to our next story, which, even though it is indeed a crime story, I think it's actually kind of fun. So please stay tuned, because I'm going to tell it in just a moment. But first, I want you to listen to this. Hey, Taylor. Hello, chef. The people who make this podcast wanted to tell their listeners about us. That's great. I know, right? So what do we tell them? We're a tabletop role-playing podcast. We do fun character voices. It's smart. And funny. It's in space. With zombies. Wait, there are zombies? There could be. Hmm. I mean, I like zombies. You're the lore master, don't you know? It's a fun show, and we play an RPG I created. Shattered Worlds. So it's always getting tweaked and improved. It's kind of like a focus group I don't have to pay for. And my guy got to have a five-minute sex scene. Pretty sure that happened off-screen. He also likes fruit pies. Shattered Shattered Worlds. All things sports from five friends' perspectives. Five idiots who can't decide if they like sports or drinking more. They each think their teams are the best and spend more work hours doing fantasy football research than anything else. 
From drafts to free agency, finals to opening days, they cover it all, almost always with a beer in their hands. This is Getting Sports with Drunk. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Getting Sports with Drunk. Twitter is at GSWD underscore four. Subscribe on Podbean and iTunes and find us every morning on the Lieb Sports Network from 7 to 8 a.m. So sit back, drink, debate. So, okay, we hope you'll check out those podcasts because they are friends of ours. We like their shows and we think you'll like them too. But now, back to this podcast and this episode. Our next story also takes place in September 1920, but it does not take place in China. Nope, it takes place in Cleveland, Ohio, but not exactly, not entirely. By the way, Cleveland happens to be my hometown, the community where I have lived nearly all my life, but that has nothing to do with this story, which obviously happened many decades before I was born. Well, anyway, that's enough about me. Let's move on. First, just like our previous story in this episode, the facts are told in a news report in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on September the 7th, 1920. The article was written by Peggy Hull, a reporter whose real name was Henrietta Goodenough Duell. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Perhaps the fact that her actual name was hard to pronounce was the reason she used a pen name. I have no idea. I am just guessing. But since she preferred to go by the name Peggy Hull, then that is the name I'm going to use in telling this story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you her whole life, which is a very interesting story, by the way. And if you are interested, just look on Google after this episode is over. But I will tell you a few really fascinating facts about her. In 1918, Peggy Hull was the first woman to be given credentials by the U.S. military to cover stories from the battlefield during World War I. She ended up in Siberia, which was definitely not an easy assignment for a man or a woman during World War I. You can be sure of that. Many years later, she was sent to various countries in Asia to cover the battles of World War II. All in all, she had a career as a reporter for various newspapers for a combined total of 31 years. She spent several of those years, including the war years, as a reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Oh, and one more thing about Peggy Hall. I think this happened sometime after she passed away in 1967. There is a crater on the planet Venus that is named for her. No, I am not kidding. There really is. I have no idea why. However, the story we are going to tell you today is definitely not a war story, nor does it take place on the planet Venus. Instead, like I said earlier, 
it is a crime story, but it's also kind of a fun story. And having said that, and with no further ado, here it is, just as it was written by Peggy Hall and as published on the front page of the Cleveland Plain Dealer on September 7, 1920. Oh wait, I should probably clarify one small thing. In this article, a place called Port Stanley is mentioned. And for anyone who might be curious, Port Stanley is a community located in Ontario, Canada, along the shore of Lake Erie. Cleveland is located diagonally across from Port Stanley. The distance between them is approximately 84 miles or 135 kilometers. And now that you know all that, here is the article by Peggy Hall telling about a very unusual incident in the history of crime in Cleveland, or in this case, sort of in Cleveland. Two men were arrested and held in the brig of the excursion steamer SS Theodore Roosevelt during the trip from Cleveland to Port Stanley yesterday. The men had been arrested by ship officers and were promptly turned over to the Cleveland police when the steamer docked last night after five pockets were picked among the thousand excursionists on the way to Port Stanley. A wireless call was sent from the ship to Cleveland asking police officers to meet the boat when it landed. Three patrol wagons were at the dock, and the crowd was scrutinized as it came off. Thirty men from among the passengers were held and taken to the central police station for investigation. A detail of twelve detectives and five policemen were sent to meet the boat. Various passengers had reported to ship officers that their pockets had been picked when the boat was only a short distance from Cleveland. It was not long after that when two men were said to have been caught in the act of lifting belongings of passengers. They were immediately placed under arrest and confined in the brig in the hold of the ship for the remainder of the trip across and back. A third man, under suspicion, left the boat on the Canadian side and did not return. A police officer stated last night, We're not sure yet of the exact charges that would be brought against these thieving men. We think perhaps it might be a robbery on the high seas. Time will tell. However, if that is the ultimate charge, it would bring the case under the jurisdiction of the federal court. One of the men attempted to bribe an officer of the ship to take a note to a friend among the ship's passengers. The note, which was turned over to the police, read as follow. I am in trouble. Please come down and help me. Passengers were surprised when the boat was met by patrol wagons and a police detail as it docked, for only a few of them knew of the arrests. The number of thefts caused police to believe that a gang of pickpockets had boarded the boat with the intention of working among the crowds on board and at Port Stanley. A woman's gold wristwatch was found in possession of one of the two men taken on the boat. The prisoner told police that he found it last Friday when he happened to look down on the ground, just before he crossed the street at the corner of Fairmount Boulevard and Lee Road in Cleveland Heights. Well, listeners, just as with the Chinese kidnapping story, there was never any follow-up article 
regarding what happened. And because of that, I have a few questions. Maybe you do too, but I'll tell you mine. First, what were these criminal masterminds thinking? And what were they eventually charged with? Did they get prosecuted in the municipal court? Or did the feds take over the case? How much time were they sentenced to? Did they learn their lesson from getting caught and go straight? I sure hope so. They really didn't seem smart enough to be professional crooks, if you ask me. By the way, you may have noticed that in the article, no names are mentioned. Not for anyone. Absolutely nobody. Thus, I had no way to look up what happened, even if I did want to spend my free time digging in the ancient files of the Cleveland police or in any other official records that might still happen to exist. So, with that having been said, and as you probably have already guessed, we are now at the end of our story. And all I can say is... We would like to give our deepest and sincerest thanks to the kind and wonderful podcasters and listeners to this podcast who contributed their voice talents to this episode. Specifically, Minna from the True Crime Finland podcast, Tom from the 5.5 podcast and the Blue Recluse podcast, Felicia, a listener and a friend of our show, Michelle, a listener and fellow member of the Facebook group called Podcasts We Listen To, Ian, a listener and a friend of our show, Annabelle, from the Forgotten News Podcast, <laughs> and also AnnabelleAudios at Hotmail.com. We've included their full names, voice credits, and links to their podcasts, etc. in the show notes. If you'd like to know the specific role that was spoken and performed by each person whom I just mentioned, then just go to our show notes and you can find that information along with almost anything else that you'd like to know about this episode. By the way, at this time, I'd also like to give a huge shout out to Amanda, a listener who connected us with Felicia, Tom, and Ian. Amanda is also from the 5.5 podcast and is also a member of the Facebook group podcast we listen to. Now, let me say again, thank you to everyone who contributed their voice to this episode. By the way, I mentioned the Facebook group called Podcast We Listen To. If you are a listener to this show and you don't already belong to podcasts we listen to, then you really should. Just type that phrase into the search bar on Facebook and you'll get right to it. Okay, now, before I move on, I need to say something for anyone who might have been waiting for it. I know I promised on our last episode that we would be giving shout-outs for your iTunes reviews on this episode, 
but we decided to do that on our upcoming episode during Halloween week because we thought it might be better to do it on an episode when we are pretty sure that we will have a lot more people listening than on a typical episode. So, if you would like to be mentioned when we do our shout-outs for iTunes reviews on the Halloween episode, then we would truly appreciate it if you would take a moment to go to iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating and review for this podcast. So, if you would like to be mentioned when we do our shout-outs for iTunes reviews on the Halloween episode, we would truly appreciate if you would take a moment to go to iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating and review for the Forgotten News Podcast. Thanks in advance for doing that, and you will get a shout-out if we see your review before Halloween week. We will also give a shout-out to anyone who makes a contribution to the show. We think we've made it as easy as possible for you. There is a link at the bottom of the show notes page where you can just click and give a donation of any amount, small or large. Even a dollar would help to offset our time and expenses. By the way, speaking of shout-outs, I will, as usual, give one to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for the music used on this episode. I have included specific credits for him and his music in the show notes. And, as always, we would love to hear your comments, feedback, opinions, ideas, thoughts, and anything else you might like to say in regard to this episode or any past episode or about the show in general. So, with that in mind, our email address is ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to type that as all one word. There are no hyphens or dashes. We also have a Facebook page. It's just another place where you can make comments or give input. Be our guest and just do it. If you don't already belong, just go to the search bar on Facebook and type the three words, Forgotten News Podcast, and it will take you right there. In addition, you can contact and follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts about almost anything. But please take note, our Twitter handle is News Forgotten and not Forgotten News. So, long story short, please feel free to use any of those methods to interact with us. We sincerely want to hear from you. Finally, I encourage you to take a look at the show notes for this episode or any other episode that might be of interest to you. And as far as I know, every platform that carries our podcast also includes our show notes in one way or another. If you have any trouble finding our show notes, simply send an email I will give you a direct link. And now, with all that having been said, goodbye everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. You will now be returned back to the present day, and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode. One can sometimes do good by being the right person in the wrong place.